call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 87 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Danica Tiernan, watch the new film from director David Cronenberg, Crimes of the Future. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call of Friend or Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. Peace. Fucking live. Live and arty. Arty in what way, apart from your quiff? Um, well, I'm just trying to get... Uh, I'm trying to become... Mark Kermode, one elevated hair style at a time. <laughs> you have gone full ginger Kermode. That's the, the, I've a also Kermode's choice. I've also started moisturizing. I'm not sure does he moisturize, but I, I, it feels like he's it's something he might do. You do look very shiny, and he does look sort of Cuprinol esque. Do, do you? What's Cuprinol? It's like a varnish thing, isn't it? I, like, I you know, know. I'm a guy who's done a lot of DIY in my time. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> I can't believe you've only been over uh, in uh, Croatia, what, a short few weeks. You've already built that wardrobe behind you. I did. I made a wardrobe. Yeah, that was just a pile of blur last week. Mm-hmm. No, um, no, it wasn't really. Do you moisturize, sparkies. Andy? Uh, I mean, I put water on my face. Does that count? No, you got to use like a moisturizer cream in the morning. Nah. Do you think, do you think Viggo Mortenstern moisturizes? That was almost his name. That was incredibly close <laughs> to being yeah. his name. <laughs> I still don't know how to pronounce that. I mean, I don't. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm not learning his name at this point. He's Aragorn. It's too late. He's 63. I mean, it's yeah, it's game over. Yeah, this Come is. On, it. He's also morphing into David Cronenberg. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a thing that uh, will, which we'll get through in what I've yeah, been we watching. Will get to that. But. Uh, David Cronenberg uh, likes a David Cronenberg cipher in his movies, always. He does. I saw that someone had asked him about Crimes of the Future and saying like, do you think Viggo Mortensen represents you? And he was like, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I hadn't <laughs> thought of that. All of a sudden, he's just going to go, God damn, they've cracked my code. <laughs> I am like, every oh, male no. protagonist in my movies. Used to be Jeff Goldblum. Indeed, yeah. You still haven't seen Eastern Promises, have you? No, I was going to pair that up at one point, and it never came off. Uh, no, because it's it like, yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't mind having things spoiled for you, I'll uh, lay, no, lay, out, uh, lay out a bit of a parallel when we get to it. Um, all right. But, well, uh, cool. Yeah. Before we get to Crimes of the Future. Yes. Well, we've watched a bunch of other stuff, I believe. I know I did. Y- and yes. I know you did more, as is your want. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I watched, um, let me, well, like, I mean, I'm, yeah, I've been fairly buried in work, but I did manage to see some things. Um, I, I kept, man, like, the last weekend in, like, my favorite cinema in Barcelona, both 2001, which I've never seen on a big screen, and The Godfather were playing, and they were both starting, not short movies, they were both starting at 10 o'clock apiece. I mean, oh my what? God. Who are these people? I assume that's PM, right? Yeah, yeah, PM. <laughs> T- 10 a.m. I would have been there. Are you joking? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would have been ding, ding, Calling ding. sick. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But no, but both on the weekend. But at like 10. Come on, man. 
do, do me a favor. I can't be doing that. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I like I, it was like this. I was in denial from the mornings. I was like, I got up and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to see those movies. And then by after lunch, I was like, ah, there's no way. Thank God I didn't buy a ticket. Anyway, I almost went to see Avatar. I taught myself. Oh, I'm going. I'm going Saturday. I just, I can't justify it. I've seen it twice in the cinema. I mean, I, if anyone hasn't seen Avatar in 3D, I would highly recommend it, but the yeah, my story wife hasn't. is just so crap. <laughs> disagree. Hard disagree. It. Hard disagree. Oh my God, you're wrong. But the visual experience, I mean, there's nothing like it. It is worth it to be yeah, fair, yeah. just to be in there, but I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't bring myself to pull the trigger. I, okay. I'm willing to, I'm willing to ter- take a left turn slightly. Could you get into, why do you ha- why think Avatar this, is crap. yeah, why do you think, <laughs> why do you think the story terrible. is so bad? It's why horrendous. Is, well, it's basically Pocahontas. Exactly. That's what I mean. It's like, it's Fern, Fern Gully, Pocahontas. They're searching for, they're, they're like, hey, we need to go and get the, what's the name of the, as the, a matter uh, of fact, I would say that's a material story that, that works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's horrendous. Sam Worthington. How is I that mean, horrendous? Like you're just you're just throwing words out there. I why I, is it I terrible? Have to say it. Because there's mm. nothing to it. The story. This is okay. This is a, a. It's a film with zero cultural imprint whatsoever. It carries no weight. It was so forgettable. Story wise, was forgettable. The only reason people were into Avatar was because the 3D experience was unlike anything they'd never they'd ever experienced. I disagree the, with you. But I don't any think any other I, aspect of the film was just completely forgettable. I don't think that just a 3D experience can carry you to the highest grossing film of all time. I don't think that's true. I just dis, I disagree. I disagree. Have you tried watching it on the small screen? It's unwatchable. Um, I don't think I ever have actually to be honest. But I saw it like four times in the cinema to be fair. Yeah, in 3D. It's great, mm. I assume. Always in yeah, 3D? Yeah. Did, did you ever watch it not in 3D? No, I did not watch it not in 3D, okay. but why would I? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because it's shite. No, but it's just, you're, what you're, you're, like, you might as well watch, uh, I don't know, uh, fucking, I, listen, I, you, I you might watch, as well watch, apo- you might as well watch Apocalypse Now on a one-to-one ratio, like, you know, no, you're I, missing I, half I would, the film. I would watch that on my phone, though, if I had no other choice. But if I had to watch Avatar <laughs> on what, my like phone... if somebody was forcing you to... <laughs> yeah, with a gun to my head. But, but if, if, if it was Avatar, you'd just say, just kill me. I, I would put the gun into my mouth. <laughs> 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 and for a, for a second too long, and then they would pull the trigger. Oh, right. I thought you were trying to like save yourself by being erotic <laughs> in that scenario. <laughs> well, I, I'm not David Cronenberg's. All right. Well, hard disagree. But that said... I was, I'll be willing to go out on this. Normally, because there's a lot of Avatar haters out there, but I I put that, no, 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 but I often put that down to the fact that it just got so big that of course it has haters. But I do recall being a staunch defender of, and I'm sure it is not on this level of bad if it's bad at all, I'm not, which I'm not saying it is. I was a staunch defender of uh, episode one for many years, Star Wars episode oh, one. dear God. And when they re-released that in 3D, I watched it probably for the first time in, in years when it came out, um, which would this would have been in the post-Avatar ripple of 3 3Dification yeah, yeah. of many old movies. Um and I watched it, and I was like, "Oh God, geez, that's very bad. <laughs> like, it's a really, really bad movie." But I mean, yeah, I, 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 I think you might I be wrong about Avatar. I didn't want to get bogged down. I didn't want to get bogged down in this. I think you should be forced to watch it with no 3D. No, no, but that's not what. That's not the movie. Okay, so fine then. 
Okay, so it only exists in 3D and nothing else. Yes, that's it does. Funny because and I don't think I, like the, I, I don't said, think that same argument watch. can be made for any other movie, by the way. Which yeah, is because it's shy if it's not in 3D. But anyway, go ahead. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch think, it in two in uh, 2D to prove I a point. I, I couldn't do it again. I could do it in 3D, but I just chose not to. But I've seen it in 2D before, and I did not enjoy it. You saw it in 2D before? Yeah, I've seen it in 2D before. It was crap. <laughs> That's what I'm basing this on. Every time I've seen it in 3D, I thought it was amazing because of the experience, but I've seen it in 2D and I did not like it. I'd say you might have been at a bad time in your life. I think that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> Where I wasn't entertained by blue No access people. to joy. That's what say. it was. That's what, I'll, that's what I'll... All right. Well, I didn't watch Avatar this week. I did not. Thank God. Um... One first thing I would like to talk about is a documentary called 11M. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? This is like a science fiction thing, right? No, it's a sci-fi. It's a sci-fi thing about about a bunch of a bunch of uh, of nice boys being responsible for a bombing. Is that not right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know where the sci-fi is coming into it. It's never uh, happened. It's false. It's fake. News. Well, no way. Well, to be honest, have you? seen this slash do you know about how the Spanish government reacted to this? This is, of course, the 11th yeah, of March bombings I, I, in Madrid. I can, I, I can remember. I remember the time the government tried to blame it on ETA. Yes, but there's a specific context to that. Do you know the, the context of it? I so can't first of- remember. I mean, the government, it was like a right-wing government, government at the time. Yeah, with the most devious-looking villainous man ever. I can't believe anybody, like, he just Ask looks not. like... Yeah, he looks like a, a, a species of furor, like, but anyway, um, yeah, so it, like everybody initially thought it was ETA, but then as different evidence started to mount, the government doubled down on this and it was clearly, it was clearly done in hindsight because they had an election coming the following mm-hmm. week. And just as like the evidence mounts for that case, that has never, of course, never been conclusively drawn, but your man has completely retreated from any kind of public life. Because basically, I think, I think that's one of the most crooked things I've ever heard done so openly in public. Like it's really proper malfeasance. I was amazed by it when I was watching the story because it's just like, that. that is almost exactly what, Oliver Stone imagines about something when he sits down to write a screenplay. Like, a bunch of politicians go, wait, 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 not so fast. We can play this to our advantage. But that's literally what it seems like they did. I guess in 2004 it was easier to sell that. Potentially. But it, I mean, but they it didn't work. They it didn't work they at all. They could get away. I know, but they still thought they could get away with it. But Which it's is just mental the... because it's three years after September the 11th, almost. Yeah, but- but it's just the idea that I mean, there's so like there's so much. I mean, if they had gotten away with it, even if they had gotten away with it, that somebody that had risen to such a height of power, and I'm not as cynical as a lot of people. I genuinely think most people get into politics probably for the right reasons. But the fact that somebody could, uh, yeah, you see, there you go. But I, I, I like I, <laughs> I study I, politics. That's why I'm cynical about it. But anyway, I like, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's, it's just what I think. But that somebody in like, you know, and I'll be honest, I'll just say it, in a Western country, that somebody could rise to that seat of, uh, that height of a seat of power and still kind of be going, ooh, excellent. Like, yeah, he's, it, he was a, but he's a big, like, Opus Dei guy. I don't want to, hey, listen, I don't want to bring any Catholic hate <laughs> down upon me. But he's like big Opus Dei 
hugely conservative, big network of, you know, cronies. I think there's a lot of that. Hey, we're get how did we turn into full on Alex Jones? <laughs> what happened? We didn't. We didn't. I just happened to watch this documentary and I was just gobsmacked. Okay. And it was just a big comment. Like, but no, no, no. Just to get back to it before. We, uh, yeah. Okay. So the documentary is very well put together. It takes you through a blow by blow of the day. There's a lot of, okay, there's one or two parts that kind of made me laugh with their old lady logic. Like there's an old lady who gets interviewed and she's like, and he left the door. He, le- he left the apartment that day and I said goodbye and I had a feeling. I suddenly have a feeling, and you're kind of going, why didn't you call the police, lady? Why didn't you call the police and tell them about your fucking feeling? (laughs) (laughs) That made me laugh. There was a lot of stuff like that in it where people were like, and I knew something was wrong. You you knew. You knew. I'm assuming this is all in Spanish, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But still, these, you know, these old ladies exist en masse (laughs) everywhere, let's be fair. Um, But yeah, then after that, the part of it that bowled me over is, like, I don't know, because I was just thinking about it. I remember I had to go somewhere afterwards and it was a bit of a walk and I was rolling it over in my head. And I was just thinking, like, if that guy's plan had been successful, like, the kind of just mass hatred it would have ignited in Spanish society is, you know, can you imagine what might have happened? Like, really? Had people bought into that lie? Yeah, I guess Civil War Part 2. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty uh, unconscionable, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know, I just, I I couldn't believe it as a story and and how real it is. And I've genuinely met people who will say, no, 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 he had stuff to go on, he had stuff to go on, but like, oh, there's... Like there's people, people who would have been his in his inner circle in the documentary going, um, no, no, no. And then we, I passed him a piece of paper and, and like we gave him all the information and we said, no, it's definitely not Edda. We found Arabic on this telephone. It was bought here. This guy's a sympathizer. But we just, every, the more we saw in the press, we saw that the information we were being passed wasn't being reflected and people were just out and out not denying that it could have been Edda. And I was just like, dude, that's nuts that they would do What's that. What's the anyway. format of this thing? Is it a film or is it a series? I know it's on Netflix. No, no, it's a it's a 90 minuter. Um, it's, mm. it's, it reminded me very much of the 9-11 memorial. Have you been there in New York? Oh, I thought you were talking about like a documentary. I was like, what's the 9-11 no. memorial documentary? Yeah, I've been to the like the fountainy thing where the water falls. No, but I meant the, the actual museum that's underneath oh, in no, Ground no, Zero. No. No. Oh, it's fantastic. It's actually it's uh, it's absolutely incredible. I really, really recommend um anybody go to see it and you. Um but <laughs> it it takes you through it, like from a media standpoint, the blow by the blow of the day. And this does a good job of that taking you through the chronology of it and the different parts of the city. There's not like the incredible footage that there was of that bomb in Lebanon from a few years ago, but it does get you into... Well, I mean, I remember the crazy bomb, the footage that they do have of the bomb going off on the platform and people like running up the stairs and then like the fireball yeah. chasing behind them. Like I remember that from from when it happened. I mean, still... Would you have been living in Spain at the time? No, I moved to Spain in 2008. <laughs> Okay, but, so but you're I mean, free we're of suspicion. Still, I think the the age difference between us, like I definitely was probably more likely to pay attention to that type of event. Wait, how old were I, you in 2000 and... Wait, was it 2004? Uh, 2004, I think. Uh, I would have been uh, 16, 17. All right, okay, shit. Yeah. Matt, uh, you've just... Uh, I've just reminded myself of a fantastic Kevin McAleer joke. He's talking about uh, JFK... And uh, when he got assassinated and he goes, and you know, I was a suspect for a long time. I was. 
people you say to me, where were you, Kevin? <laughs> uh, which is, yeah, it's a good joke. Uh, do you yeah, want a tennis solid. ball at this week? What have you been watching? Yeah. Well, I watched uh, season one of The Capture. Oh, yes. I've it lined up, thanks to your recommendation. Talk about that a little bit. Are you familiar at all with what it is? I recall it being reviewed on a TV podcast I listened to a long time ago, but beyond that, no. Yeah, season two just came out, I think, in, in August. So I watched season one. <laughs> I'm still trying to get through the first bit, which uh, aired back in 2019. It's another six-part BBC series of the ilk of things like Vigil. It's kind of like a mix of like Vigil, Line of Duty, and then a bit of like Jonathan Nolan's Person of Interest. Um, it kind of explores questions around what will happen when deep fakes become perfect and the various repercussions that I'll have for the security services. So, oh, And there's an American in it, isn't there? Yeah, it's got Ron Perlman. Old, big uh, old Ron Perlman. Ronnie Pearls, yeah? How's but he that's looking? Actu- that's actually, like, even knowing that he's in the cast is a bit of a spoiler. Like, knowing that he's playing someone from the US. Because when it starts off, you wouldn't expect any character to be from the US. Okay, well, I'll consider it spoiled for myself, but you enjoyed it anyway. It's one of those shows, I mean, similar to something like Line of Duty or Vigil, again. It kind of recalls that. It builds on a mystery episode by episode, and they do a really good job of of kind of building that intrigue. It does kind of, for the last couple, maybe the last episode, it does feel like it's kind of already like shot its beans. And you're like, you know, when they give you a bit too much and you're like, no, you kind of gave away the whole thing. And then you have to, then they're just playing out the thread for like another 40 minutes. And you're like, yeah, okay. We kind of know where it's going now. But it looks, as far as I'm aware, season two just kind of picks up where season one left off. It's quite kind of, there's a strong connection. They leave the end of season one with like a clear point where you're like, oh shit. Mm. Like it, it, It makes sense that there's more to tell in the story. And you've uh, mentioned it as on a like uh, in the same ballpark as uh, Line of Duty and Vigil, and is it um, on the same level as them in terms of being compelling? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would say so. Okay, it's ironic I, because I, I, I presume I, there's I blew through this. I, pre- I presume there's like you know murder and death and stuff. All kinds of murdery deaths. Yeah, no, no, no. Because it's just uh, I, this stuff is such. Yeah, easy watching, isn't it? You could just really just lose yourself for a few hours and stuff like it this. Is that? Actually- yeah, it's it's again, it's like these. It's just there's something about the like the six part BBC series. It doesn't have the budget of some big HBO drama, but mm. they absolutely. I don't know how they they really managed to. They must have some great cram um, so much in. They must have some great uh, executive producers working on this sort of stuff to just fit it into a certain mold, even if the stories are different. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of similarities between these different series, and I just think they've got, they've almost got like a kind of storytelling blueprint for a six-part series that functions really well. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, my wife is going going out drinking uh, tomorrow night, so... Yeah, hell yeah, I could do that. This is uh, this is what uh, nights alone in my home are built for, to be honest. And I haven't done a so a show like this in a while, uh, mm. and I just finished off something more highbrow, but very very enjoyable. Um, will I will I go? Sure, it's your turn. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I watched Treme season two. Um, oh my god! Yes, indeed. Yes, I did. Well, for those who are not in the know, Treme is um, basically kind of 
it's it was, it's like it's almost like David Simon's answer to the wire because um, he he himself has said that he felt a, a lot of response to the wire was people sort of completely losing faith in the idea of a city and all sorts of institutions by but by his example of you know a, de- a decaying one so instead he wanted to give uh, a counter example by way of New Orleans after the hurricane and how it held itself together as a as a as a city, um, it the, I suppose the pressure wouldn't have been on Simon to deliver something as plot-driven in a classical sense, such as The Wire was, with, you know, drug deals and cops and, you know, politicians and so forth. So Treme is less pacey, but it still has, I don't know, Simon's kind of journalistic eye for real life, if you get what I mean. Like, it's about chefs and musicians and Mardi Gras Indians and uh, police officers and a lawyer and property developer comes into it in the second series now and just about them sort of coping in different way, all with the backdrop of wonderful New Orleans culture. Um, it's a, in the second season, actually, Anthony Bourdain wrote quite a few of the episodes, uh, well, mm-hmm. co-wrote some of the episodes. And he consulted on like the chef stuff in this in the series from day one, but um, yeah, I just I I genuinely think because I know so many people who started watching this and abandoned it. Uh, yeah, I'm I, one of those. Yeah, yeah, I would have been lazy enough about coming back to season two, but season two actually steps up its game. I I, I feel to be honest, the last episode of the series is a, is a feature length one. Um, it deals very much with this like just a spate of police brutality in the city in the city it's really really something i really enjoyed it i'm i'm half tempted to just keep going and kind of get it done because there's not the season three and four are much shorter because i think hbo yeah they ran out of money well they kind of said okay david simon you've had your fun with the get out of jail free card from the wire now do something more compelling but a it's I don't know. It's really richly drawn. Obviously shot on location. I enjoyed it a lot. I got a lot out of it, and the music is just fantastic. I gave up on season two. I remember. I think I probably made it to the end of season two, and I remember very little about it. But mostly, I felt about Treme was that there just wasn't enough happening for me. I just didn't care enough. It's very mm. much the Avatar of David Simon series. <laughs> 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 no, but I just I I mean. The music is good. It's not my it's not my type of thing. Like I'm don't care about it. Mm. So there just wasn't enough. I mean, there were some intriguing aspects. Like I remember there's the one lady who's trying to track down what happened to her brother or son who died in Yeah, the that's in series hurricane. one. Yeah. And then old uh Johnny Goodman goes for a little ferry ride, I remember. Yes, that's right. He goes for a swim. Yeah. He goes for a little swim. But um yeah, it's one of those things. It's a, there's a few of these David Simon shows that are piling up for me where I haven't finished. I haven't finished Treme. I started Show Me a Hero. Haven't finished that. I've still got to watch Plot Against America and the what was the one from this year? Uh, oh, um, we own the this corrupt city. police officer. Yeah. Have you um, have you watched any of the Deuce? That's another, that's the other one. I started, I'm probably, I've probably watched about the first four episodes of season one. If I was to uh, recommend continuing with Simon anywhere of all of those, it would be The Deuce. The Deuce is my favorite of a lot of them. I think The Deuce is I just finished uh, recently listening to the audiobook of the, the uh, Wire, All the Pieces Matter. And oh, I is was, it good? I, I kind of felt like I want to watch The Wire again, even though I watched it last year. 
Is yeah, it good, great. the book? Yeah, no, it, it's it's excellent. It goes into so much depth. And the audiobook's really good. It's mm. people doing the voices, though. So, like, they, they, oh, do, I can the get past that. they do the voices of each individual, like, actor or person. No, but they actually do it quite well. It's not terrible. Wow, okay. Would you pass that over uh, my way? I'm just done yeah, I'll, uh, li- I'll, listening I'll, to I'll a, show a, you. I'll send you a link to uh, a, to a library. Yes, indeed. A blockbuster-esque library. Yeah, no, I just finished uh, listening to um, David Sedaris's Me Talk Pretty One Day, which I had listened to again. If you've not listened to that, listen, you should. It's that's, very funny. That's, that's a lot higher brow than mine. Uh, all right, cool. You got anything else? Sure, yeah. So next, uh, but <laughs> this was a follow-up to our discussion last week of uh, of the best sports movies ever. Because we both put Moneyball high up. For me, it was like, I said mm. it was like my number one. It was my yeah. My, I said it was my number one time sports film. So I decided to go back and watch Moneyball because it'd been a few years since I'd watched it. And uh, yeah, unsurprisingly, it still holds up. It really is all about Brad Pitt. It's yeah. 100% the Brad Pitt show. I mean, it's all focused on the Billy He's King great character. in it, though. He is great. Yeah, he's great. And so is uh, Jonah Hill. Yeah. Um, have you it, read the book? No, I have not. I just I just got hold of it, and I, I may eventually get around to that. But I did a little bit of like background reading into apparently a lot of it is absolute nonsense. A lot of uh, I film. think B- Billy, Billy Bean himself says that, doesn't he? Yeah, I think quite a few people have point are not happy uh, about how they were portrayed in the film. So, but yeah, that doesn't I, that doesn't take anything from it for me because it, yeah, go ahead. the The facts are the facts in the story, and I mean, if you can wring some drama out of that to make it applicable to something other than baseball, great. And I think they really effectively do that. To be honest, I think it's just a like it's it's just a an amazing story of. And I know this much to be true about uh, Billy Bean, an amazing story of, I don't know, just somebody running up against a wall and saying, well, I guess I'm going to have to invent a a type of hammer to get through this or get around it or whatever. And he did it. Um, And as a character study of what sort of person that is, I mean, he might disagree with it as far as like, as far as I know of Aaron Sorkin's approach to reality, he probably doesn't give a fuck <laughs> what Billy yeah. Bean thinks um, so long as it works, for, you know, in terms of drama. And I think it really does work in terms of drama. I remember uh, Brad Pitt has a great tantrum moment in that. I can't remember exactly when. Um, he, he smashes d- up a bunch of stuff a few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. I just remember thinking it's it's well acted, that smash up, you know what I mean? It, <laughs> yeah, which isn't yeah, yeah. like an easy thing to do, uh, I would say. No, he, he, I think he's he's on top form. There's only one part of the film which seems really weird to me. I remembered it like uh, I remembered previously that it was something that it's, that it stuck out as me going like ah I don't know. It's the the whole, the stuff with the daughter with his daughter feels really weird from time to time. I can't recall. There's so just there's like, just what there's no chemistry or something. Mm, she she seems a little. I don't know how that character is is written. Seems a little weird, and how he's written, but like they're like joking around. So it's it's set in like two thousand and two, and mm. she's about to get on a plane, and he's joking with her. He because she says something like worried about him, and he's joking with her, and she's like a teenager, like a young teenager, and he's fly. She's flying by herself, and he says to her like, you know, these things crash all the time. <laughs> he's like winding up his young daughter by the plane crashing. 
And then she's like, she's singing the song at the end that she's, you know, she's like made a CD for him and, or a tape or something. And she's singing and going like, you're a loser, dad. You're a loser, dad. I don't know. They have like a weirdly needling <laughs> relationship. She says he's a loser. Yeah. In her song, when she's singing, there's like a whole refrain. <laughs> it's so I didn't weird. notice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it stuck out before. And this time I was like, what's going on? Why did they decide to portray the relationship that way i know it's supposed in like when the film was made when the film came out it comes across as like maybe that was a time period where they were going like yeah like he's so cool he's like a cool dad and they have like yeah this cool sure. back and forth relationship but <laughs> just in the year post 9 11 it just seems weird yes did that uh, what, uh, hold on the movie is set in 2002 it didn't 2002. Come out in 2002 no it came out in 2011 that's what i mean of the time when mm. it was made it feels more appropriate than when it's set yeah maybe or maybe he was just a wildly inappropriate man <laughs> <laughs> because i mean that there's in 2002 like in america i think if you made that joke in an airport you would be hunted down yeah it's not a good <laughs> idea you're okay now you can say whatever you want but yeah yeah fuck the queen you can have shoe bombs <laughs> you can do whatever you want yurt uh, How many more do you have? Um, well, I had a quick sconce at uh, Rocky 2 also. <laughs> oh yeah, what yeah, actually yeah. happens in Rocky 2? Is that like the rematch? Rocky 2 is great. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, well, it's got a really cool opening, which is just the two ambulances carrying the two fighters driving away from the fight with the two boys being stitched up. And the prosthetics are really, really effective and they both look proper banged up and it's great. It's a great opening. Uh, you get the triumph that you don't get in the first one. Um, yeah, like I said, the f- the first uh, Rocky probably has more pathos, but the second is all uh, like the second, third, fourth, fifth, and the, probably the two Creed movies, although may- not necessarily, but definitely the other Rocky movies are all about showdowns. Just, you know, you and me, buddy. I'm going to watch uh, three at some point this week with Clubber Lang, the greatest yeah, villain in the series. Mr. T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, like, that's the thing. You've greatest got, villain in the series, come on. Like, more than Ivan Drago or def- Tommy Gunn. Definitely. For one Why moment, I? for one moment, I'll, t- I'll remember it right now. It's when he yells at Adrian, anybody who's emotionally invested in... Uh, in the Rocky franchise, when Clubber Lang goes, hey woman, hey woman, get yourself a real man, or something like that. Anybody who's emotionally invested going, did he just, did he just say that he's going to have sex with Adrian, to Adrian, in front of Rocky? What the hell? It just feels, it's too, it's too far. I hope he's dead. I hope Clubber Lang is dead. Is Mr. T still alive? (laughs) Mr. T's alive, sure. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, so I, I gave that a sconce. Um, I have one more thing, but it connects very much into uh, what we're going to talk about this week. So have you got okay. anything else? Yeah, my last thing. I uh, I've, I haven't finished this. I'm most of the way through Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Okay. Are you familiar Go on. with this? Are you familiar no. with this? No, no. It's a 10-part Netflix uh, anime. Oh, right. Is it any good? Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty solid. It's so it's entirely set in the same world as Mike Pondsmith's Cyberpunk, which was the tabletop game series, which then became the game uh, Cyberpunk 2077. So it's kind of, I think it's produced by CD Projekt Red, who are the this game studio that made the game. So they've used like the music, the sound effects, the backgrounds, some of the same characters. And it's 
is kind of like they've started selling huge numbers of copies of the game again. It's I think this is going to be like the way forward. I think this kind of thing is going to happen more and more because we've got hmm. The Last of Us. There was a trailer. Which for looks the, incredible. Uh, yeah, there was a trailer for that show came out this week. And that's going to be out early 2023. That's going to, the sales of games are going to go through the roof with that one. I don't know. I feel like this is like a new sort of, rather than the, the, the game adaptation, which was a film, I feel like this, like a 10 part series is an, actually a successful way to, and this isn't like directly. You played like through the prequel. game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I finished the game. And this is like a prequel to the game. And you enjoyed and it. it. Some, yeah, it's solid. It's solid. And this, the storytelling in this is very good. Anime in general is not my, is not no, my right. cup of, of, of no. tea. Is generally speaking. I know yeah, you don't like animated things that much. Um, yeah, some of the real anime things that people, you know, when like bulging eyes or like, there's like a speed lines when they're running and stuff like that. I'm not really on board with. It but just fails to move me com- completely. And you know what? I've been talked around again to give it a go, and I know it's I'm by a colleague who says, "Oh no, there's this one called a Neon Genesis Evangeline." He swears by it, and I probably will give it a go. But I I would be very surprised if I'm won over. Yeah, it's not again. It's not my typical thing, but um, mm. this is solid. It's twenty minute episodes. They've used a Franz Ferdinand song for the credits, which is a weird choice. That is an odd choice. What song? Yeah. Uh, this fire. <laughs> really? That's mad. Yeah. Yeah, they Are you enjoying literal. it? Yeah, it's solid enough. It's it's twenty minutes. It's like th- it's an easy thing to just whack on, and you're like and whack okay, off. I got yeah, exactly. <laughs> Watching those cartoon Japanese people. Yes, indeed. I think it's that seedy aspect of it that keeps me away from it as well. Just the idea of like uh, you know gross dudes drawing sexy ladies there is some there's definitely that i mean hey listen i don't know what the artists look like maybe they're entirely functional humans i'm sure they are maybe they are yeah anyway but that's it that's it for me that's i don't know what don't know what else i'll get up to soon but that was it for this well i mean i mightn't be a fan of anime but i certainly did uh, fill in the gross sec weird sexual blank leading up to crimes of the future this week because i did kind of i did something probably a bit taboo in that uh, i watched my um my losing toss pick anyway that is a horrendous form it's outrageous behavior i know that's not good. You shouldn't be allowed to talk about it. But it, the only reason you're allowed to talk about it is because it directly connects to this. Well, the thing is, I just by chance uh, ran into it on um, one of my um, one of my subscription services, Film In, and they had a, a whole big David Cronenberg collection. I was like, all right, fuck it, let's just do it. So I, I, I switched it on. Have you ever seen this, The Brood? No, I haven't. All right, so... Cronenberg, uh, from what I've heard anyway, well, no, he said it in interviews, he wrote this in response to his divorce. Uh, he went through a very painful divorce in 1979. And knowing that little piece kind of sort of, it gave me a sort of key to w- what kind of filmmaker he is at last. Because I just, th- th- I don't know, I kind of got bits and pieces of it, certainly all the gross stuff um, I'd seen. I've seen a lot of his, I haven't seen everything. Probably the most... Cronenbergian thing I've seen, so to speak, uh, would be Videodrome. Have you ever seen Videodrome? No, I've got huge gaps in my Cronenberg watching. I haven't seen Videodrome scanners, etc. Well, it's, et it's mad fucked up. But anyway, okay, so here's the story. So 
it opens kind of with this send up of new age psychology. Okay, there's this sci- there's this uh, psych- psychologist, an experimental new age psychologist uh, played by um, Oliver Reed in the mold of that that fella R. D. Lang. Um, his and he's he's experimenting with this new type of therapy. It opens up. It could be like he's basically talking to this guy on stage, pretending to be the guy's dad, and your man pouring his feelings out of him. And then he reveals that he's got all these blotches all over his skin. The patient, right? Not Oliver Reed. By the way, as far as character I'm sure actors Oliver go, Reed probably did too. Well, this is it. I was just there thinking. It's like, um, <laughs> do you know? I mean, typically when he, he, I suppose actors go after roles that suit their type of charisma. You know, I mean, you've got Steve McQueen or Paul Newman, who were just super cool, James Dean. You've got Jack Black, who's, you know, zany and and so forth, or Danny McBride doing his thing. But I think (laughs) Oliver Reed must be the only, like, intellectual, psychosexual man who could, I don't know, headbutt you to death all at the same time. He's got a charisma all of his own, Oliver Reed. It's He's a mad thing to see in a movie. Anything you see him in, I find. One of the greats. Indeed, yeah. Anyway, so it transpires then that uh, this guy has got the Cronenberg Cipher's wife as one of his patients, and um, their their daughter goes on weekend visits to her, right? And then she comes back from one of the weekends at the fucking weird New Age psychological hospital, and she's got kind of those, like, she's got bruises on her and stuff, and the father goes mad, and he's like, my daughter got hurt here. What the hell is happening? And then you kind of got a cat and mouse game where, do you mind if I spoil this for you? No, fire away. I'm not going right. to watch this. It's not, I don't, th- there's just horrific moments in it and it is just an interesting film to watch anyway. Um, but try, like then the people that the wife is bitching to Oliver Reed about in her therapy sort of start getting picked off by these little midget creatures. Um, her mother, her father... There's a horrific scene where a school teacher gets murdered, all by these little midget type creatures. And then it kind of transpires that when eventually the 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 husband goes there to sort of convert her, to con- confront her, um, it transpires that basically the blotches on the skin that the other guy had, like the mother has like the finished version of that, and she's basically erupting little beings that are physical. Um, manifestations of her emotions, particularly her rage, her anger. Um, and they go and do her bidding and all this fucked up stuff, right? Yeah, I now, just don't want any part of this. <laughs> yeah, but this, this is the thing. This is the thing. I, I, this is why I'm super interested to see what you thought of Crimes of the Future, because I think, I don't think, I, I, I certainly think I would have watched Crimes of the Future differently had I not seen this first. So as they're watching it, okay? He's nowhere near as accomplished as a filmmaker in this, right? But the ideas are still very much there. And it made me compare it to something like um, The Babadook or It Follows, which are very, very clever with their metaphors and stuff. But here, Cronenberg is into sort of... He's, he's using metaphors all the same, but they're grounded in the world of the film in a way that actually makes sense and makes the stuff sort of oddly palatable in during the duration of the runtime, and then you just start thinking about it afterwards. Like, you think about, like, I mean, is it, like, it's a nasty piece of work when you consider he he wrote about his marriage here, really. But, I mean, it also made me think, I mean, the dude's kind of, whether you like his work or not, he's sort of a one-of-a-kind artist in that way. Um, I, I 
and just for that, I like there are like I said, there are great filmmaking moments in it. It's also Howard Shore's first work as a score writer, and the score belongs in another movie, kind of, but also it's really good, so you can get along with it. As I said, Cronenberg not as accomplished as a filmmaker, but as like a an artist fully formed. He just had to hone his craft way more. So it's very interesting for that. And it also made me think, despite the fact that I still probably don't like the film very much, it kind of made me think, oh yeah, nobody but David Cronenberg could have directed a film like Crash because it's a David Cronenberg film that was written by somebody else. This, like, basically a metaphorical abstract idea made physical and fleshy and gross, basically. That's his whole shtick. That's his brand. And kind of once I got that with The Brood, and I did enjoy The Brood, particularly like the last twenty, the last 10 minutes have got some real, real horror moments in it. Um, I think I was more fully prepared to get on board with Crimes of the Future. And I had some thing, some problems with it, one or two, but for the most part, I got really invested into it. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think I got it, if such a thing can be said. What did you think? I don't I th- what is there to get of crimes of the future? I saw people like talking about it online asking questions. I watched it with subtitles on which I think may have hugely affected things because I heard people complaining about the sound mix saying they weren't entirely sure but with subtitles on with subtitles on I honestly found it was just like exposition 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 characters were just like outright plainly stating but the the parts that that kind of bothered me the most were like Christian Stewart's character directly saying you know surgery is the new sex I just mm. I found I feel like it's in the past Cronenberg I, I, or maybe not maybe not past Cronenberg but I feel like there would be like an artier way to like make points. I feel like th- this film to me felt like like a, someone had put all of David Cronenberg's films into some kind of AI matrix, <laughs> and this they were like they made the most Cronenberg film ever. When in the run up to it, I was think I was reminded of when uh, the publicity for Grand Budapest Hotel was being done, and I remember looking at it, going, "Oh dear, this man has become a parody of himself, and it's not. This is not going to be pretty." But then I ended up really, really quite enjoying it. Um, I, like I said, really did quite enjoy this. There was a t- It was kind of. I was at a distance at it near the start. But I sort of made the decision to try and get on board and see what was going going on more. The problems that I had with it were, um, yeah, the exposition was was heavy, man. It's heavy, heavy. Yeah, but at the same time, I do. I, here's the here's the thing: the film definitely needed exposition, but I've seen exposition done a lot better than this. That's what sure. I would say. But I don't. The thing. I think exposition in the hands of the right actors played much more smoothly than the majority of the cast that were quite flat and weak. I felt that there was some very weak casting going on here. I think the, the movie no one star- is the first choice in this. No one. No. So originally, the the title character was going to the or sorry the like Viggo oh Mortensen yeah Ray Fiennes right Ray, Ray Fiennes or Nick Cage, Leah mm. Seydoux's character was going to be Natalie Portman. Yeah, no, 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 but those aren't even the people I'm talking about. I'm supposed I'm talking about the likes of um, Speedman. I forget his name. I didn't the, mind Scott. I didn't mind Scott Speedman. Um, or the Greek actors as well. I I just thought they were just very weak in 
their delivery of dialogue. And it's a pity as well, because Speedman's quite crucial to the plot, but any time he was talking, I, was, I just, just didn't believe him. They really Cronenberg-y to me. They reminded me of people in Crash, like the way that they've been directed to act. That is an interesting point. I do, I do think you actually, you're onto something there for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's probably, but I mean, like, I suppose, uh, I suppose I just did have a problem with that. They're all then. doing something I, uh, really specific, especially Christian Stewart. Christian Stewart, God lover. I mean, I don't know what she was doing in this film. Um, she's good. She's good. She brings a quality to it, but I, I think her performance is odd and kind of misguided. I didn't get it. Well, what she was trying to do. I assume she was like taking a leaf out of her Twilight co-stars book of like, let's go and do a film with David Cronenberg. That's let's right. Do a real, let's go do a real one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps uh, her ex-boyfriend, who she cheated on, mm. also. Yeah. That's right. With the director of Snow White and the Huntsman, no less. Oh dear God. I know, right? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Should we do a quick uh, synopsis? Let's do a quick synopsis. Yeah, I, I, I have one. If you want to hear it. Yeah, if no, no, no I figured as much. Um, oh, that's good, good, solid. Okay, well, here we go. Here's a synopsis. In a future where people no longer experience pain, right? Yes. Yeah, they yeah. Don't, so they don't experience pain, and there's yes. no transmittable diseases. But the only indication that it's actually the future is these weird organic looking technologies. Apart from that, it appears to kind of be a post-technology society, which, by the way, shooting in Athens, Greece is perfectly suited to that because it is a bit of a shithole. Uh, yeah, I th- a part of it does feel a bit like getting a holiday in Greece. And doesn't it look play? wonderful? Yeah, I don't have any problem with that. I think that's. It was mostly filmed in a big warehouse, but then they did exteriors on the streets of Athens. Fair play. Mm. I got no problem with that. So anyway, two performance artists, uh, played by Viggo Mortensen and Leah Sido, do surgery in a very Freudian sexual manner. Mortensen's character, Saul Tenser, who dresses like Raz Al Ghul and speaks like Christian Bale's Batman. I didn't get why he dressed like that. He's cool. I want to dress like a bit of a ninja. That'd be cool. So... Martins's character is one of a growing number of people whose body is growing new and unrecognizable organs. Tenser and his partner Caprice, Lesido, are encouraged by a man named Lang Dutris, played by Scott Speedman, to take their show to the next level by performing an autopsy on Dutris's uh, recently deceased eight-year-old son with the aim of revealing that these new organs are an evolutionary step for humans to start consuming and being sustained by non-organic matter. The son, Brecken, the eight-year-old kid, is murdered at the start of the film, smothered to death by a mother who can't live with the fact that her son is eating a plastic bin, which Mm. is fair enough. When the autopsy is performed, Brecken's organs are shown to have been tampered with by people working for the government slash the new vice police uh, squad. In a bid to stop this evolutionary revelation, the film ends with Tensor, who's shown throughout using a biomechanical chair to help him eat organic food, finally trying a synthetic plastic cam- candy bar and looking almost orgasmic. Those look pretty tasty. Yeah, they do. They look, they, they look very delicious, actually. Much more delicious than what he's eating. Um, okay, co- so a couple of questions, I suppose. Um, what's with the design of the future tech? I don't know. It looks very... Very H.R. Geiger. Which feels quite Cronenberg-y to me. Mm. But I mean, I would love to I read... Place the, from the, I'm what, thinking of things like the, like the Fly or something. I'd love to read the brief on, on that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I thought it was effective. It worked for me. But it's just, what's it 
where's it coming from? I don't get it. It's Some particularly- of it reminded me a bit of watching June last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can Maybe see you what you're saying. June. I mean, the filming took place in August, August and September last year. Maybe he's watched June and was like, I oh, will just do that. Two bits of that. So I was talking earlier about like, I mean, basically him having, I, I don't know, the courage to sort of get behind his metaphors and set them in the real world rather than in metaphor land, like, you know, Darren Aronofsky's mother or something like that. So with all that said, what the fuck do you think he's on about with Crimes of the Future? Uh, if I made a film called Crimes of the Future, it would just be a sequel to Time Cop. And I'm, I would I'm rather in. see. Yeah, I'd rather watch that. I, I mean, it does seem to be quite clearly of like the evolution of humanity of like, this is where we're going to have to head at some point because we have creating more and more plastic, less and less organic matter. So at a certain point, we're going to have to consume this plastic, microplastic that's in the I don't think it's as cut as dry. And I don't think it's as cut and dry as that. Well, I mean, I just don't think it's like, uh, well, you know what, actually, much like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I feel that this could be easily read from either side. I feel it could either be a warning about the future or I feel it could be optimism about the future. Yeah, I don't think it's a warning. I think it's just more an exploration of what will happen. But I don't see it as being that. I Dogmatic. don't think. It, I are like I don't think it paints that evolution as necessarily being a terrible thing. No, You've I don't think because it, it's the it's like the the new vice police squad that are trying to shut it down and people who are on that side. Whereas you've got these plastic, plastic eater syndicate who are trying to, mm. you know, they're almost like freedom fighters or something. His, his career almost makes no sense. If you took out big movies like The Fly or History of Violence, his career makes very little sense. Yeah. I mean, this is the first film that he, that he wrote that he's made since Existence in like 1999. Yeah. I mean, the like other the films in between yeah, the other had, films. had, you know, parts of David Cronenberg in them, but I suppose this is the first time since that that this has been proper a Cronenberg joint. I mean, and he he, made, he literally made a film about Sigmund Freud. I, I, he yeah. is like an incredibly Freudian filmmaker just in terms of like, analyze, there's so much kind of visceral sexual imagery in all of his films and that's how he, he seems to approach things everything feels like every, oh, so much of his films feel to me as like someone who had a dream woke up in the morning and wrote it down and was like i need to stick that in a film oh yeah totally I, I, absolutely i mean this is basically i don't know <laughs> wild metaphors brought to their natural conclusion and then much like a dream they don't make sense once you say them out loud i suppose yeah like they kind of come to odd Cronenbergian conclusions, which make sense at the time. But I suppose the main thing, the main question you have walking away isn't uh, <laughs> isn't like uh, what does it all mean? It's more like uh, how the fuck did you come up with this? Like what's this? Yeah. This is this is a mad thing to come up with. But I and I salute I, him for it. I I I mean. I like the world of this film. I like some of the concepts, but I also really dislike performance artists and I don't like watching mm. surgery. So those like two aspects really, really put me off. But I, I like this world. I would rather like a, a filmmaker who told tighter stories. Okay, so you did I not enjoy that. this. 
it's but that's I, I I'm not the I'm not the target audience of this. It's for Cronenberg fans yeah. and it's for people. I who think want I am to one explore now. Explore this world. I I've always thought you were. Yeah, you you've, you want to watch? You must have selected Crash because I'd already seen it. Yes, I did. But I did. I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan of Crash. I thought. No. That, I thought. I thought Crash was kind of dumb. This felt like a sequel to Crash to me a little bit. It felt like an exploration of what happens because Crash is all about, you know, how, where can we push sexuality in terms of mixing with, with uh, you know, something not natural, motors, mm. you know, shagging cars basically. But then the extension of that is going even further where now pain doesn't exist. So almost like pleasure doesn't exist at this point where we're we're so heavily on this using tech where previously things that that worked on your body no longer do so now they perform surgery to surgery provides something similar to like a sexual release speaking of bodies uh that leia sedosa looker huh uh i was focused on her acting i was i thought her she did she spoke english very well i think she acted like she had excellent breasts but there was another couple of really good actors as well at one stage who were yes, sitting yeah. in the chair. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They were great acting too. They were great actors too. Yes, I agree. They were way, I that's uh, again, the, those type of aspects, not the there's, not, not 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 the acting part that was great. But the bit where they like drill the guy in yes. the back of the head. Mad. What is that? Well, what is that? Here's the, the here's I the mean, part the here's way the, here's, it's played. The yes, way yes, it's I know, played. I know exactly what you mean. Like it's a big dramatic beat that we're supposed to care about when we the 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 subplots the subplot of him being an undercover agent of sorts was bizarre to me. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't compelling. Um, I you I did not care. But anyway, wait of uh, who being an undercover? Uh, Tucson or whatever. Tensor. Tensor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like he's going and speaking to the uh, the guy from the most Fox. horrible actor in the world. There's an example of somebody I thought was just completely you didn't flat, like him. And not giving it to the movie. No, 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 not at all. It wasn't hey. great. I, he does. He, but I mean, yeah, I'm not. But I mean, it wasn't. It was. It was a pretty. It was a pretty thankless part, anyway. To be honest, I didn't. That strand of the film goes nowhere. I think that you you're just it's shot in kind nice of locations. Have to interpret that as like. Does that even matter? They've introduced this this new Vice squad. Mm. You've got Kristen Stewart and the other guy who are what's even their role? They're like keep documenting these, 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 new, these organs. new organs or something. Mm. And then and then you've got the performance artists and you've got the guy whose son has been killed and he's one of the pl- plastic eaters. And is nobody? There's, here's what's so scary about this world: is there's nobody just sitting at home watching TV. No, you're out doing perform. That's why I mean why I don't like performance art. Everyone's off being busy being a wanker. The Everyone's- next thing you know, you've got 50 ears all over you. Do you know what would be a cool twist ending for this? If like um, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, it fucking, it, it, it zooms out slowly and it's actually just in the middle of Berlin today. <laughs> or it's just Athens. This is just what Athens is like. Have you been to Athens? No. It is a bit like this, to be honest. Okay. Well, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. worrying. Yeah, yeah. No disrespect, Athens. No, although a little bit. Anyway, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, by um, uh, fits and starts make my way through the rest of Cronenberg's filmography. Fair play. This, oh, this the other can- thing I wanted to say by this is it got a five minute standing ovation at uh, Cannes. Ah, of course it did. St- uh, I don't know. I mean, it also had walkouts. I'm glad. Do you ever hear about Mark Kermode when he w- was watching um, Lars von Trier's The Idiots? No. 
he got he got kicked out of uh, the theater in Cannes because he was up the back screaming like a mad bastard. Il est mierde, il est mierde. Which is pretty. I like that as behavior for a film critic. Fair play. That was like oh. an early dogma one, right? I feel like that was pretty much grab a video camera. I think that was the first one. I think, that, I think that's yeah. I think that's, that's the first one. The rules. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, have you seen it, idiots? No, I haven't. Ah, it's not for everyone. I quite yeah, like I, it. It's though. not for me. I think I do like Lars von Trier, so maybe, but we'll see. What of Lars von Trier have you liked? He's a difficult uh, man to get along with. I'm a big fan of Dogville. Huh. Yeah. I really like the scenes towards the end with James Caan and Nicole Kidman talking about turning the other cheek. How how arrogant it is to 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 think that others you're like. You say that they don't know better. That's arrogant of you. So you should must, actually murder them all. I'd like to give that a rewatch. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, sure. That's all we got to say about Crimes of the Future, I suppose. We're back next week for, uh, what's this again now? What are we doing? Escape from Alcatraz and Runaway Train. Yes, indeed. And uh, whatever else I want to watch that lost on Toss Picks, because I do what I want these days. I just That's watch fine. what I want. You just, just don't talk about them. <laughs> it's like... It's the first yeah, rule fair. of losing toss pick. I, 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 it was an accident. I'll never do it again. Can you possibly forgive me? Yeah, that's fine. As long as it connects. These right. completely arbitrary rules are fine. Oh, but by the next the next time we do uh, uh, our new episode of New Thing, by oh, that yeah. point, uh, Mike Flanagan's The Midnight Club will have been released on Netflix. Yes, and we're big Flanagan stands around here, so I'm looking that's forward right. to talking. I'm a Flan stan. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, um, I'm at the moment um, rereading uh, the old Docky Sleep. Um, Even so, though I watched that last year, that's another thing that I could just whack on anytime. 2D, and whack 3D, off. 4D, yeah. Yeah, no way. Um, right off with that, <laughs> that, that Irish traveler lady. No, I'm going to, um, I'm going to uh, give it uh, probably a spin again before I, uh, before I dig into the Midnight Club, just because there's no way I can watch all of Midnight Mass again in time, even though I would like to. I was to, thinking I, that. Midnight Mass to, again would be good. How good, good was Midnight on. Mass? Anybody who, out there who has not seen Midnight Mass, hail thee to your nearest Netflix and check it out. It's a fucking and masterpiece. When we do, when we do some more Halloween-y toss pick, I'm definitely throwing in a Flanagan film. <laughs> Spoilers. A bit, of, a, a bit of the Flanners. Definitely. Uh, I've got two more to watch. All right. Well, next time I talk to you, you'll be in Bonnie Italia. Yeah, that's right. I love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye.